Hey everybody, this is Sean Ojite. Thanks for downloading the show. We'd like to give a call to action, as our fearless producer says in his own words. Uh, so you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or uh, wherever. Let's say wherever. Uh, join us on Facebook.com backslash Off the Rails Podcast. You can tweet us at Off the Rails Pod. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, downloading, checking out our beer reviews. Uh, crazy, uh, the, the crazy world of Bubba's streaming that he likes to view and uh yeah here we go with the show all right well that sound can mean only one thing well, it can mean a couple things. It can mean a beer is open, but it also usually means that we have another episode of Off the Rails Podcast. I'm your host, Noah, and as always, I am joined by Bubba O.G. Tay. And on this episode, it's that time. You've been asking for it. You've been waiting for it. It's time for another edition of Hashtag OTR Bibs. And we will have that for you. But first, the first thing we always do is we bring you OG Tay's Tasting Room, brought to you by TalkingHops.com. Welcome. And uh, it's been a while since we've had a IPA, so we're going to go back and and hopefully this is going to be a hot bomb for Noah to love. We know he loves those. Uh, This is a Beaver Town Garage Project Stone Frutalica. This is a collaboration. A double IPA or an imperial IPA, however you prefer to call it. 8%, I'd call it a double. Usually an imperial is a little bit stronger, but we'll call it a double. That's fine. Uh, the availability, it's only been brewed once. It's limited, but you can find it at your major branded uh, alcohol outlets. They'll have that, so it shouldn't be too hard to get. Um, and here we go. We've got a IPA, and let's look at the uh, commercial notes as we like to see these here. Uh, glorious, crank it to 11. Cacophony is what happens when intense tropical fruit gets a flashpot edition of pyrotechnic heat from Habanero. Uh-oh. The result is a literal world tour as three globetrotting breweries collaborate on this immensely thunderous sound storm of a beer. So you're telling me how my asshole is going to be burning after I drink this. Masters of Brewing Beavertown in the UK and Garage Project New Zealand work with us in San Diego, a.k.a. Stone, to brew this double IPA with the power trio of Kiwi, Yuzu, and Habanero. Now, the Yuzu hops, I've had those before in a, uh, in a uh, what's, this, uh, what's this brewery here that, I've, that I'm drinking here? Oscar Blues has used the uh, that hop before, so that's really a good hop. Uh who knew the kiwi fruit could be so metal? Add in a colossal hop character to ride the lightning of the subtle but fiery heat. Hops, fruit, heat, and juiciness for all. Call up your mosh mates, crank up the tunes, and throw this beer in the fridge. Chill them all. 80 IBUs, 8%. All right. ASTMO, I, Noah looks scared. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not scared. I, no, I was actually thinking because... Um, you said you said chill them all. Yes. But obviously, kill yeah. them all. It's, it's yeah. the, but right. there's a, a great food truck here in the LA area called 
Gorilla Mall. Oh, okay. Where all of their burgers and uh, they have their burger truck, right? And their burgers are named after rock and roll bands. I like it. And they and they're you know they're heavy metal. And uh, my favorite burger, and I'll just kind of give you a brief description. It's called the the Molly Hatchet. Hmm. And it is. Uh, am I saying that? I think it's the Molly Hatchet, but maybe it's not the Molly Hatchet. But anyway, the burger that I love from them it's it's a hamburger where the buns the bun is are two grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. That's the bun. That's a real heart stopper. And then and then there's cheese and bacon and like grilled onions. Wow. It's it is a great burger if you find I hope the, that truck has defibrillators on it. If you find the Grill Mall truck, they actually opened up an actual hard location as well. I believe in somewhere in like uh, Santa Ana. No, no, it's in uh, like like the Whittier Pico Rivera oh, Southgate, wow. somewhere in that area, but um, so if you are in the neighborhood or if you uh, hear of them, you should go and check them out. That burger is one hell of a burger. But anyway, back to the beer here. So okay. I just, I was yeah, no, good. That. no, that's cool. ASTMO, we're looking, the appearance is uh, very hazy mm-hmm. and very cloudy. Thick. Very mm-hmm. thick. This, so this reminds me of the, the East Coast IPAs are, are this style. It looks very pulpy. You yeah. can almost see little pieces. Well, well there's right. juice in there. They're definitely using juice. You can tell when they do that. There's there's yeah. actual fruit juice being used. They're it's juicing. A, it's They're a, juicing. It's a, uh, yeah, it is an unfiltered beer. So it's no it's doubt. it's something that the East Coast IPAs do. Uh, West Coast, not so much. They're more the piney, resinous. Uh, more hot bombs and but these have uh, gotten hot out here on the west coast so you you see a lot of people doing this now so obviously stones jumped on that train of a it looks like a new england style ipa from appearance okay so as the smell definitely smells juicy Mm -hmm. smell a little piney a little hoppy if you get in there you can smell that you can smell that habanero chili in there you can smell that chili i can smell it faintly it's definitely it's got a nice floral fruity kind of smell floral fruity mm-hmm. but i'm telling you get in there and take a big whiff and you're you're pulling some heat on your nose a little bit i'm pulling some chili on my nose well here we go with the taste <laughs> salute that's not bad at all. That yeah, heat's that, not bad. Yeah. It comes in at the end, right? Yeah. You know, like, you taste it, and then right at the end, you feel the the habanero a little bit. Well, I don't know if you've had the habanero scope, and that thing is almost undrinkable. It is freaking hot. Mm. You, But you yeah. get a little mild heat on it this. It's not bad. It doesn't really come in, though, until the end. Like, you take a nice, take a little sip of it. You got your juice. You def- taste, taste the juice. You taste the, the hops. Tasting like grapefruit nodes. Well, you got it's kiwi, so some kiwi in there. There's no grapefruit in this. They're saying they're saying that it's kiwi, the yuzu hops, which is a sweeter hop. Hmm. Like if you try this fugly, I've been drinking. It's just really good. This has got the yuzu as well. This is a uh, a yuzu and ugly fruit hops IPA, but uh, the yuzu hops are a little bit sweeter. and not so bitter. It's a little bit bitter, but not too bad. And uh, I like the mild hint of the habanero. Yeah, no, this, you know, I got to say, this is actually a really, I like this. But it's definitely juicy. It's definitely up your uh, East Coast, New England style IPAs. So mouthfeel? Uh, the mouthfeel is definitely like a, like you said, like an unfiltered type fruit juice. 
So it's a little bit thicker. It's not, uh, it's not, I wouldn't call it crisp. Um, and, uh, but it's not creamy. It's, it's, it's not creamy. It's crisper than cream, but it is thick. But it's, it's, I think the crisp, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's really dry at the end. Like my mouth is dry after I, I take a swig of that and it goes down. Yeah. It's real dry, which I like. So I'm good with that. Yeah, this is a good one. Okay, so we've done the A, the S, the T, the M. It's time for mouthfeel. The overflow. No, we did M mouthfeel. This is this is a solid. This is a solid four and a half for me. Mm. Four and a half. All right. Well, we're back on track after uh, last week's one. Yeah, this is something I would drink again after last week's uh, smoky Smoky Mountain. I'm I'm definitely yeah. I'm a fan of these these uh, East Coast IPAs. These juicy. They call them juicy IPAs. Uh, I'm not a big fan of IPAs, but this one is a good one. I do like this one. Yeah, it's not overpowerfully hoppy. No, it's not like drinking a, uh, pine a glass full of pine needles. No, uh, there is there is a hint of of hoppiness and pineness, pineiness, but it is overtaken by the, uh, the the citrusy, kiwi, fruity kind of nodes. And there is I. I I don't know that I'm tasting the habanero as much as you guys are, but it definitely there is a little hint of it. So but there's like definitely that. there's definitely some heat on it, a little bit of heat. It's subtle. All right, well there you have it. So go and this is a beer that people can go and find at their at most uh, local uh, beer shops, craft beer marts. Yeah, your 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 bigger marts will have them. I'm sure your craft specialty stores will have this. Stone is obviously wildly popular. They they've opened up locations around the world, so. Yeah, this should not be too hard to find. You I mean, should be able to find this. Yeah, it's not like it's going to be like, you know, like something like a Sculpin or the 60-minute dogfish where it's everywhere. But, I mean, they probably have, you know, you probably wherever you go, you should probably find a bottle or two. Yeah, it. and if you can't find it, talk to your local, local, uh, local craft beer salesman. I'm sure they could get it for you. Sure. If you uh, let them know that you want it. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Talkinghops.com. Head there and uh, check it out. There's an exclusive off there, another beer that we've uh, ranked and reviewed on talkinghops.com. So check that out. Uh, We're in a good, nice little partnership with them. So go there, talkinghops.com, to check that out. So, all right. Well, we'll see ourselves out and uh, head to the main recording area. Wow. It's a kinder, gentler. Uh, OG Tay's tasting room these days. We're not just being good, booted out of good automatic stuff. I like that we're we're headed to the to the main recording area. I like yes. that. Okay. Uh, well, do you know what time it is? Sean, are you ready for some football? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Hopefully, we're not playing that new song right now. But oh well, we're, we're which playing which Hank. one? American males. We're, play, no. we're playing Hank Williams Jr. Oh, of course. I mean, that's how we get, that, that's how we get hyped for football on this on this podcast. Yeah. So Hank Williams does not hype me, but okay. Oh. Bubba, Bubba, do you do you still think you can name all thirty two teams? I I probably could. Okay. Wow. We're gonna test you at some point. I had confident. a I had a uh, pillow- we're gonna test you at some. Point. He's gonna study. I had a pillowcase in right. like the third grade that had all the NFL teams. There was like there was like maybe twenty eight teams back then. Maybe yes. I think that I think that we'll have I think to. There was maybe 15. I think that'll be this might be a good thing for our Halloween episode. It'll be a nice like scary test for Bubba. Can he name all thirty two NFL? Oh, by that teams? time I'll be half in the bag. I don't that's, know. If well, I that's can, that's kind of part I, of it as well. So. 
Uh, uh, so, okay, so as that. always, remember, this is OG Tay versus the Bubba's. Uh, OG Tay versus Bubba versus Bubba B, my six-year-old son. So, as always, we'll go to Bubba B first and get his picks. Yes. Okay, Bubba B. Time for your football picks for the week. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay, first game is Jets at the Cleveland Browns. The Jets. Then there's the Kansas City Chiefs against the Houston Texans. I'm going Chiefs. And finally, Monday Night Football, Vikings Bears. Vikings. All right. There you go. Thank you. I am the prognosticator of all prognosticators. Yes, you are. So, Bubba, uh, you're doing pretty well so far. And uh, we're going, it's time to get your picks. Uh, We heard my son's picks, but let's get your picks. Uh, Clash of Champions, Jets versus Cleveland Browns. Jets versus the Cleveland Browns. This is the New York Jets. Versus oh. the Cleveland Browns. This is okay. the battle of the offals. Okay. Well, this I am, is the, this is the the uh, the uh, Rosen Bowl. This might be the worst game of the year. Even even I am aware that the Cleveland Browns are a joke. They have been a perennial joke in the NFL for many years. I don't watch a lot of football, but I do see a lot of uh, late night uh, talk show monologues in which the. <laughs> Browns are often the butt of many a joke. So, although the Jets have been as well, but you know what? I'm going to say let's go with the Jets. All right. He picks the Jets. OG Tay, who do you take? Uh, this is a real bum fight, isn't it? I'm <laughs> good. Great, right? yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to roll with the rookie, Deshaun Kaiser, and I'm going to go with Cleveland at home in this matchup. Okay. I hope he's not hurt. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you know. He could be. Second game on the slate is Sunday night football. Sunday yeah. night football. Yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you should be familiar with them. You've, of you, course. I've been I picking pick, their games I pick, I every pick week. I them to win all the time. They seem to be on prime time quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The Kansas City Chiefs take on the Houston Texans. J.J. Mm. Watt and the boys. Who do you got? Oh. Hope, hopefully Watt's well, not hurt. Well. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. You know, normally I'm all in for the Chiefs, but uh, I, ha- I have actually heard of J.J. Watt before. I know that he uh, ponied up a lot of his uh, personal wealth. To help the flood victims, uh, so I think that's a pretty sharp move on his part, and therefore I'm going to say Houston. Okay, he takes the he takes the Texans. Sean, who do you take? Well, I think in this case, this rookie will not be ready for a great defense like Kansas City has, and I'm going to go ahead and take the Chiefs on the road. Okay, and of course, our Monday Night Football matchup, home of Hank Williams Jr. It's the Minnesota uh, Vikings. That's Billy D. Williams Jr., sir. Oh no, Hank Williams. No, this is Hank Williams Jr., <laughs> oh, not Billy D. Williams. Oh, okay. He's going to be doing our. He's going to be doing our bumper here in a minute. But the, hey, that's Corey Jackass. <laughs> uh, we have the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, taking on the Chicago Bears. Mm. The Bears. Okay. Well, William Refrigerator Perry no longer plays for the Chicago Bears. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. You okay. that for is a long time now. That okay. is factually yeah. correct. All right. Yes. All right. Okay. Um, well, an interesting fact about the Minnesota Vikings. I do know that uh, uh, WWE and UFC superstar Brock Lesnar was a washout 
on that particular team. True statement. Um, fact, factually correct. So, gosh. But I'm also very familiar with the Bears due to the SNL skit uh, with George Went and Mike Myers and all the other fat guys. Nicka. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bears. The Bears. Okay. That's I'm a pick for the Bears. I'm going to ride with the revamped uh, offensive line and roll with Minnesota on the road. All right. So there, there you go. go. So mm. once again, there's our, there is our third installment, OG Tay <laughs> versus the Bubba's. And uh, this is this 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 segment has is is a flourish. People are just, people are betting your bet. They're taking your picks, Sean, and betting them and making money. So take it to Vegas. I'm making money. Book it. Take, Book it. Take Sam's picks to Vegas. Not well, not mine. Well, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to hurt Sean's feelings. <laughs> but yes, that that might be a bad. That might be not a bad call. So uh, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna refill our beers, and when we come back. We are going to give the people what they want. The number one off the rails podcast segment. Hashtag OTR Bibs. Hashtag Bibs. Hashtag OTR Bibs. Coming up. Strengthcast is real gamers, nerds who have gamed their entire lives, beings who exploded from American vaginas with dice in one hand, a breast in the other, and a glow of bits in their eyes. These are the men and women who close their eyes at dawn. This is Strengthcast. So visit strengthingaming.com and subscribe to STRcast. Corey D, and you're listening to Off the Rails Podcast. Thank you, thank you, Billy D. Williams Jr. for bringing us back in. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Corey D. Williams. Thank you for uh, bringing damn, us back Noah. in. What an embarrassment. Who who will we who who will we find at Frank and Sons the next <laughs> who, time we gone? Who who whoop, whoop, who whoop. shout out who. to the Juggalos and their March a few weeks ago. Shout out. Uh, they will that, see again. Fuck the <laughs> We're still, hey, we might only be going an hour, but we're still beeping that dude's name. Doesn't matter, dude. Fuck that guy. That's what I want on my bib. Me and Who? <laughs> Who? Whoop, whoop. Who? <laughs> uh, so it's that time again. It's uh, It's been a while, but it is time for hashtag OTR bibs. And Bubba, you tasked everybody. Yep. Uh, to go out last week and watch a movie. Yes. Electric Boogaloo. The That's correct. The electric, crazy... electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of Canon Films. This is a documentary that's on Netflix. Uh, if you haven't seen it, by all means, please pause this podcast. Do go watch it. I love this movie so much. I've seen it like three times now. Uh, I've this, seen it one and a half times. This is a. I fell asleep as I was watching the first time. <laughs> this is a documentary uh, about the wild uh, renegade studio, Canon Films, that literally was running wild in the in the nineteen eighties. They have produced seventies and eighties. Se- yeah, seventies and eighties. I mean, by the time, and we'll get into this, but by the time they entered the eighties. They entered into a period where they were so prolific creating films that it was literally more than one a week that they were releasing. Uh, 
uh, and and these movies are all you could call it schlock or or trash or uh, you know whatever you want to call it. But I love the big guy's explanation on that. What was the was the larger guy? The larger one oh, of the two, Menachem Golan. Menachem, yeah. He said he's well, he was talking about that. You see an actor and he does like one movie a year. And he right. goes, "Well, what is that? They they want to work. That's give, right. Give them work. We what, make films. We just keep putting out films. What what do they do the other ten months of the year? They right. get a divorce. Yeah, they, they get they, they go to snort therapy. Cocaine, they yeah. snort cocaine. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so so uh, Canon Films is, was built on the back of of two men. Uh, Menachem Golan is the person that we were just talking about are you pronouncing that correctly by the way thank you uh (laughs) i mean that's how elliot gould said it yes well so so menachem menachem golan (laughs) you gotta get the in there you gotta throw that in there these guys are the first off these guys are my heroes Okay, these, guys have, these guys have both oh, <laughs> so so Menachem Golan was the sort of the creative side of the business he yes. loved movies he sure. loved creating movies he was a, a, a director a producer um, uh, his cousin who was uh, Yoram Gol- uh, I'm sorry Globus Globus yes. Yoram Globus yeah. was the financier he was the one who kind of raise the money for the studio and these guys together uh golan and globus were known as the go-go boys well they were also known within hollywood as the bad news jews yes they were called the bad news jews they were called that uh so so menachem golan uh started in israel making uh films in tel aviv uh he loved the movies of hollywood he his goal his dream was to come his his American dream was to come to America, make big Hollywood movies, and basically be a part of kind of the the Hollywood system. And and uh, early on in the movie, you kind of see they they had a lot of success, and as a lot of people said, Golan and Globus were the movie business in Tel Aviv right. in Israel. They were literally the so Pretty that that one, one of those first movies, it was called Lemonade something Lemonade. So Lemon Popsicle. Le- Lemon, Lemon Popsicle. Pop- I need to see that movie. Lemon Popsicle. I the need number, to see the that. number one movie in all time in Israel. I see yes. that. Still to this is day. Is that available yes. to see on YouTube or anything? I'll have to keep my can eyes open. Can you get a, for can it. you get a hands on that for you? It's, a copy that for us? It's, well, we we can. We can I don't want to see the American I remake. Say, we I want to watch the American version. I saw that no not the last American version. I saw that when I was a kid. So I've already seen that movie. I want to see the original original yes. lemon popsicle yes uh lemon popsicle was a israeli version almost like a porky's type right. film uh, about horny teenagers trying porkies. to get porkies laid was great yeah it, it's it's a it's a i mean it's a an age-old you know it's a it's a it's a it's an age-old formula for a movie yes. right you have you know horny young people and sure. and uh that kind of transcends all all borders and and languages and whatnot. And mayhem ensues. Yes. Um, so very early on, like I said, they had a lot of success in Israel, but they brought their hustle to the United States. And when they purchased Canon in the 1970s, you kind of start to see the sort of the mad geniuses at work, and these guys both. You know, like I said, uh, 
uh, Globus was more of the, you know, financial side uh, in getting the money, but uh, Golan was a madman with his crazy ideas yeah. and his just bizarre. Uh, they said that he had so many ideas. He had so many ideas for movies, some of which should have never been movies. But because they were making so many movies at a certain point, it's just like every idea, good and bad, was yeah. getting turned into a movie. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, some of these, and, and like I said, we'll get into them, but you'll kind of see uh, sort of uh, where they come from. Dude, I, I okay, uh, I, <laughs> I am looking at Wikipedia right now. Okay. Just, just at, at, a, at a page called the list of the canon group films. Yes. Now I have I looked at this also today. I am shocked at the number of films these this company put out. And you've seen a lot of them, Sean. No, if you, you had know to what? Guess. No, let me tell you something. You haven't seen a lot of these movies. You've seen some of them, and you having watched the documentary, I thought that I'd seen a lot of them. No, we have not, dude. How many films do you think Canon put out in the year 1988? Now, 88 was late Canon. It was okay. already going down the tubes by Yeah, now. okay. How many movies do you think they put out in the year, the, the, the Lord's year, 1988? What do you say, Sean? Over, under. What do you think? 12 months in a year, by the way. Just in case, just get, for anybody out there wondering. 75. <laughs> okay, you went a little crazy. Okay. Bubba, how many films did they put out in the year of our Lord? I'm going to say that's late canon, so they're almost not finishing movies. So I'm going to say 22. 32 films nice. in a year. Nice. So in one year, and I'm—I mean, I'm looking at this this list of films, and I see okay, Braddock missing in action three. Right. I've seen that movie, of course. Classic Chuck Norris. Going film. Bananas. I've never seen it, but I am familiar we, we with it. We will talk yeah. about Going Bananas. Yeah, I'm I've familiar seen with there. Going Bananas. I've seen that. Blood Sport. Seen it. Seen that. Classic. I'm looking at the rest of these names. I've never seen any of these other names ever. So, the Raggedy Ran. Yeah, Journey, Journey to the Center of the Earth. You've seen that. Journey. No, I've never no, seen it. I'm that, aware that of it. That movie was actually not completed. So we'll uh, get we'll get, get to that. Oh, that's, I see just, that. That's I'm, very I'm, late. I've seen that movie. I thought that was okay. I see you're, that. You're, there There's was no a later. Production. There was a later remake of right. that. I, it's insane the amount of film. I, I was. I, I'm blown away right now. Like, I did. I did a little bit of research. And I've watched the documentary. Like we watched the documentary, and I'm just amazed at the number of films. I did. I did a little bit of research, and in the 1980s, I think alone, from now on, during this, during our bibs, I'm just gonna every once in a while, I'm just gonna just just gonna just shout out a name of a movie. Because they're just some of these. Uh, who killed Mary? What's her name? <laughs> That's the name of a movie, Sean. In the 1980s, Canon Films produced over 200 movies. In the 1980s. Oh my God, these guys! Wow. They really went all out. Yeah. Well, did they go all out? They did. Some would argue that they just crazy. They just went to <laughs> the just Hanoi Hilton. Well, as one of the so so the the the, the documentary has a lot of. The documentary has a lot of interviews with people who have made films with canon writers and directors and editors and things like that. And I forget who was who it was that said it, but he said that basically at a certain point they were like a bowel movement. You just go in, 
you shit a movie out, it comes out, and then you what you work start working on the next one. Yeah, that's the guy from MGM. He was pissed. He was like, all they did was give us trash. Yeah, trash. <laughs> well, yeah, because at some point MGM signed a deal with yes. them to to distribute their films, right. and th- they gave them nothing but garbage. Nothing so but let's, garbage. So let's let's talk about before we start getting too far into the future. <laughs> let's talk about the canon method and how they made their movies and how they raised money for movies. Now, this I is, thought it was a great formula. This is a very good formula for success. These guys would go in. They would have an artist create a movie poster. They would basically create a poster for the movie. Right. They would sell foreign distribution based on what's on this poster. And then... With no story. No story. Literally, uh, all they would have is the no title poster. of a movie and, and a poster. A poster. Yeah. No, no cast, no crew, nobody... They just... Raise money for the foreign well, sometimes distribution. Sometimes they might have a cast. Like they might have a cast. Well, they would have one of the Chucks, like, like, yeah, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Norris, or Chuck or Chuck, right, or Chuck yeah. Br- Charles Bronson. Right, one of the Chucks. That's so right. they raise money from this foreign distribution, and they would use that money to actually make the picture, which was usually done within a couple of weeks. Correct. Um, which is absolutely crazy. Um, so. They started out, and I mean, they have always have. There's a couple of niches, and I'd like to kind of hit on each one of these sort of really briefly. Uh, the blood on Satan's claw. That's a movie. <laughs> I'm looking at that right now. I would love to see that. Um, Sylvia Crystal. Do you, have either of you guys seen any Sylvia Crystal? Is that Emmanuel? Is that yes? Oh yeah, Happy Emmanuel. Hooker Emmanuel. Oh, yeah. I love She's Emmanuel. she was a major star of the Skinamax era. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a number I, of nudie I, films I, I for Canada many a times. Okay, she, she is fantastic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> she, <laughs> is that too much info? Yes. Yeah. She the, the interesting Goodbye, thing. Goodbye, Uncle Tom. That is a Canon movie. The interesting thing that I found about the um, about the uh, the uh, Sylvia Crystal. Uh, was that she was kind of coked out of her bin a Correct. lot of the time? Right. They said that she was a real mess. And she said she, they, she lost at the. She walked in one time looking like a gargoyle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's well, true. I'll tell you what, as twelve-year-old me, she was hot. Oh no, she looked good. I thought. So the the other she thing, was the star of on TV many a time, many yes. a late night. Yes. The, the other thing that we can all all thank Golan and Globus for bringing to the uh, American uh, sort of zeitgeist is. The Ninja and the Ninja film, yes, which is almost created whole cloth by by Canon. The Ninja, yes, yes, and the Ninja Ninja movies, including former hashtag OTR bibs Ninja Three: The Domination. Yes, yeah, we need to see Enter the Ninja. Um, that needs to be a bibs. Let me let me put it to you this way: It was on Amazon streaming. While it was on there, I watched it no fewer than three times. Yeah, Enter it the Ninja no, needs it to It is be no a longer... So Enter the Ninja stars uh, an absolute legend of white guy karate movies, Franco Nero. And that's the guy that you saw who they dubbed... The, his voice. Uh, his, yeah. his voice yeah. into an American voice. Um, yeah, it is... Enter the Ninja is absolutely one of my favorite ninja pictures yeah that's a bibs and there was another movie that i feel needs to be a bibs that we kind of glanced over and that is uh, uh the canon uh musical the apple oh god the that looked apple awful. the apple <laughs> that needs looked absolutely to be awful bi- that's yeah. why it needs to be a bibs yes. that movie looks so great the, oh my god the apple is very hard to find it is i don't think it's ever been in print on dvd or blu-ray 
and I don't. I'm almost positive that it's not streaming anywhere. But I would love to sit down and watch the we Apple. We need to watch the Apple, dude. That uh, is that looked amazing. So it is around this time they are flush with Ninja Cash. They also get a lot of money from their working relationship with MGM, right? Now MGM, who was a major studio back in the day, was during this time, you know, the early '80s, kind of struggling. By the way, the Apple output. was released on Blu-ray this year. Was it? Yes. Well, yes. stay tuned, folks. That yes. we will be the doing Apple that. Apple is on Blu-ray. Oh as my this god! Year. I just want to say that guy from MGM was just major salt was pouring out of his sweat glands. <laughs> well, he was. You know, to be fair, he was not wrong that uh, Canon Films made trash. You know, they made films that were trashy, that were garbage. And I mean, but how do you not know? They've already had a track record, so how right. do you not know that's coming? To to, to be fair to Canon, seventeen eighty seven on Amazon Prime. I can have it tomorrow. <laughs> as of this as of this moment, right now, I can have it tomorrow. Oh God, I'm let me have it. it. He's gonna buy it. I am gonna. Buy it. <laughs> let me have it. Let me Apple, let me have it. Let me have a couple of these, and I'll, I might have you send one to me. Dude, we need <laughs> to watch this movie as a bibs. This is like holy cow, dude. We you know we. We're trying to change the way we do business here at Off the Rails Podcast. This might be our first live event. We might have to have a live showing somewhere. Of, of the Apple. Of the Apple. Yeah. Just throwing that out there into the universe, see if, it, see if anything happens with it. So to be fair to Canon, though, the uh, MGM, <laughs> I, I, would, I would say to the MGM guy, bro, beggars can't be choosers. You know, MGM was in financial dire straits. They needed product, right? They couldn't produce their own movies. They had Canon make the movies and MGM would distribute them. And they were not always happy with what they got. Cheerleaders Beach Party. That is a Canon film. The happy hooker goes to Washington. That is a Canon Those are all good. So let's talk about another Canon film that came out around this time. Uh, Hercules with uh, starring Lou Lou Ferrigno. Famous deaf man, Lou Ferrigno. This movie, when I saw this, this was the first one that I wrote down that I said... I said, Hercules fights bear and hurls it into space. Yes. I got to find this movie. I saw that. So if I ever find this one, you can bet your ass that's a bit. Yeah. It's, it, Hercules, I've I think, is that. an example. You, you've seen that movie. Hercules? Yeah. I've never seen you've it. You've never seen that? I've never wow. seen that. Hercules wow. is the example. I've seen, I've seen Schwarzenegger's uh, Hercules in New York. You probably wouldn't be surprised, but listen, I've seen a lot of these canon movies I'm like watching this documentary going, my dad sat down and watched all these movies. Right. And on on TV. This, oh, yeah. this like on TV. Oh, yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. I feel like on TV oh, yeah. was like a major proprietor. My dad loved I am like, of, I've seen that, movies, I've yeah. seen that. My well, dad was watching them all. Yeah. Hercules to I me, think he was a fan of the Canon films. I think Hercules is the perfect example when people tell you that they love practical effects, that right. they wish we could <laughs> go back to practical effects. Right. Yeah. Um Show them Hercules yeah. and say, yeah, no, no. we're good with yeah. CGI and, and computer. CGI is good. The computer age is fantastic. Yeah, like not everybody not everybody does practical effects like Lucas. Right. That's, that's all I'm going to say. So a couple of other films from this, area that, from this era that I, I think that you guys will probably have some interesting feedback on. Gas one, Pump Girls. One is Breakin'. Oh, yeah. The original Breakin'. Oh, yeah. With, True. Uh, uh, now, now, this this is... I think this is hilarious. So another characteristic of Canon films is basically 
listening to the youth, listening to sons and daughters, trying to find out what's hot with them. Sure. Smart. And then just making a movie about That's it. Smart. And trying to get that movie out as quickly as possible yeah. and beating your competition. So as you know, we all grew up in the eighties and if you remember, Breaking came out. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, Beat Street came out. Mm-hmm. Well, Breaking was definitely a big, big movie for the hip hop well, movement. That's was, no doubt about that. It was a big deal for yeah. them to beat Beat right. Street but, to the theater. Yeah. Right. And but back in the day we didn't know that. So now when we hear this, it's like, wow. So they were competing to yeah. get that movie out as quickly as possible. And this happened to them uh, later in life when they broke up. We'll get to this, but when they break up, they both want to make a movie about the Lombada. Right. The and it's a dance. race to make a movie about the Lombada and get it out first. Right. That's uh that's crazy. Not as hot as hip hop was. Othello, the Black <laughs> Commando, by the way, that is a canon film. Happy Hooker goes to Hollywood. So she goes everywhere. She's it, traveling the world. When we're when we're in the kind of the meat <laughs> of the uh, when canon is kind of at their their height, this is kind of where I feel like we kind of go over some of the the more well known. Of course, you have Charles Bronson and all the Death Wish sequels mm-hmm. that he did. He continued to make uh, Death Wish 2, 3, 4, and 5, which are fantastic movies in their own right, by the way. Uh, Chuck Norris did uh, Invasion USA, which is a a really good movie. Uh, The Missing in Action movies. I I found it very interesting that they filmed Mission in Action 1 and 2 back-to-back, but they said the the second one was the good one. And the first one was so bad, if they released it first, it would have killed the business of the second one. So they basically just reversed them and made it the, made the, the second uh, yeah. uh, Braddock missing an action movie the first one. Missing action to the beginning. Right. This <laughs> is, is, is the first film that comes out. I, right. would, I want to make one more comment about the, that breaking movie, Breaking. Yeah. They put out... I can't believe how fast the, the sequel was out the same year. Breaking came out in May, and Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo came out in December. Yes. So they were like, "This is so hot, we need to make another one now." Yeah, they were making sequels to their movies immediately before the movies were even. Well, usually, out. it's like what a few years, two yeah, or three years before the sequel. Yeah. Usually, yeah, yeah. They but, but they wanted to get that movie out. That's not how canon worked. They did. Like five or six American Ninja movies with that Michael Dudikoff, mm-hmm. who was uh, also very funny that uh, they got interviews with him on the documentary. Um, another movie, and this is a big fat stay tuned. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it, but the brilliant genius who just recently left us, uh, Toby Hooper, uh, his movie Life Force, which was a vampire movie. It was a end of the world movie and it featured the aliens were essentially nude humans and they appeared nude like throughout the entire movie yeah and that chick that starred in that was hot she is hot. amazing yes hot. yes and she is matilda may yes matilda may is naked throughout that entire movie oh, wow isn't she naked through the entire literally yes. through the entire yes movie. from like, the, she never puts clothes she, on. she will never have clothes on throughout i don't the think i've movie. seen that that is a big fat stay tuned. So once okay, Life yeah. Force is on a streaming service, we're watching. It'll it. be after Apple. Uh, Apple's coming stop. real soon. Oh, God. This should be before Apple. <laughs> um, <laughs> so 
I need to. I I kind of feel like this is. There was a story that was told in a documentary that made me laugh so hard that I, uh, uh, the one about the orangutan. Oh yeah. So Clyde from Every Which Way But Loose. Clyde. He was the orangutan in all of those uh, Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah. And they had invited Clyde. When Clyde died, did he get a little shot? What do they do when you at the is it the Oscars when the when the actors <laughs> die? Did he get did he a get, moment of silence? Did he get Clyde? a moment? He didn't. And Are you, you sure? Know what? Are we sure about that? He was he was actually beaten to death by his trainer. Uh, that was a, a real crazy, sad. You won't did hear he that. Farinaed? Are you saying he got? That's farinaed? what I'm saying. He, not yeah. only did he get beaten to death by his trainer, but yes, he was Farina. That's that awful. Year. That's a travesty. It is a travesty. He will not be Farinaed at next year's Boobas. He so, will be remembered. There you so, go. <laughs> Golan and Globus invited Clyde and his Beverly Hills attorneys to their office to try to get him in Going Bananas. Their movie. That was going to have the orangutan with a little boy. And the story from this is just absolute comedy gold. When they tell the story of Menachem. Menachem. Jumping up on the table <laughs> and pointing at Clyde. And he says, you, you love the boy. And the boy love you. Oh, yeah. And you go away. And he's trying to direct this monkey. Yeah, he's talking, he's to, talking the to the monkey. Right. He's not talking to the lawyers. He's talking to the monkey. And... They said they tried the monkey, but they think the monkey bit the boy or something like that. It didn't work out. So they ended up having to get a midget in a costume. Oh, I hate to say this. I hate... Oh, my God. I'm going to hate to say this. Do you know who played the monkey in Going Bananas? I have... Is it... Yes! Yes! That's fucking... I love it. Friend of the show. No, not friend of the show. My, my favorite, my favorite thing about that story was oh, the yeah. uh, uh, Boaz Davidson, who who was directing that movie. He said, "They say, oh, he looked just like a monkey. Say, he looked nothing like a monkey." <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah. sad thing though was, I will get Farina in yes. the boobas. Oh, in the absolutely, a hundred percent. Who will be Farina? I don't know who that is. Okay. It's getting beat. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, in in tandem with all these garbage pictures that they're turning out, they also went through a good number of these sort of prestige pictures that they surprisingly made. They worked with you know some of the great directors like uh, John Cassavetes and uh, Franco Zeffirelli. These are like. Uh, my favorite, my one of one of my favorites, is the fact that he wanted to work with Jean Luc Godard so bad. Uh, and you're talking like late Godard, he is trolling uh, Golan, and the movie that he makes uh, is an absolute joke. Uh, did you? That was the one that had Molly Ringwald in it mm-hmm. and uh, Norman Mailer. And, and Molly Ringwald said, "Is my character supposed to be dead or alive?" And he was like, "Ah, well, you know, like she she didn't know what she was talking about." She goes, "I'm gonna say dead. I'm gonna go with dead." <laughs> um, they did make though these kind of uh, prestige pictures. Um, Barbe Schroeder made uh, Barfly with uh, with Canon Films, but. They kind of, even though they had this reputation for sort of making trash, they also had a reputation for 
being very friendly with uh, auteur directors and basically letting them make the films that they wanted to make. So they were kind of able to do kind of these these sort of uh, prestige pictures. Um, uh, so I don't know if you guys had. See, I'm I'm sure that. I mean, I've seen Barfly. I've never had never seen the uh, the uh, Norman Mailer picture, which was. Uh, I've never like seen either one. Actually, to be honest with you, I mean, uh, I'm aware of Barfly, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, big big directors, John Frankenheimer, uh, Manchurian Candidate. He lo- he loved working with the uh, with the Go Go Boys. Um, the Bad but, News Jews. Yes. The Bad News Jews. The in the mid '80s, though, they get to the point where they're making over, or they're releasing a movie every single week. Every single week, a new movie's coming out. Uh, they talk about the King Solomon's mines, and I don't, have, you guys, <laughs> have either of you guys seen the King? Either the King? There, there were two Kings. Yeah. There was King Solomon's mines, yeah. and then there was uh, Alan, Alan Quartermain. Yeah, and the was it Lost City of Gold? The Lost City of Gold. Yeah. Uh, I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one. Have you guys seen either of those? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you have seen a lot of these movies. I have actually. Uh, my my well, fa- mannequins on there. I've seen that one my, too. My favorite. You guys have seen that too. Oh mannequin. yeah, mannequin is yeah. great. Right. Uh, Cobra also was a movie that they produced uh, for Warner Brothers. Uh, well, here's one that I didn't know they produced, and that's Highlander. Yeah, yeah. Highlander. The Highlander, is... the Highlander flicks were were canon movies. Um, it was around this time in the 80s that they did so many movies that they would often get them confused. They tell the story in the, the documentary about yes. uh, Menachem getting the uh, Sharon Stone. He said, I want the stone. I want the, the actress, the stone. I want the stone. So they I thought he was talking about Sharon Stone. He was talking about romancing the stone, which right. was Kathleen that was Turner. That King Solomon's mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he got... Uh, one of the King Solomon's uh, mines, uh, one of the Alan Quartermain pictures, mixed up with uh, invaders from Mars. <laughs> you know, it was just he couldn't keep track. They were releasing so many movies, he just couldn't. You haven't brought up couldn't. Masters of the Universe. I'm surprised about that. We're, we're, we're almost, we're almost <laughs> there. We're getting there. Before we get to that, which I consider to be the beginning of the end, those kind of big budget, That's the turning point, those kind of big budget whiffs where they really started to lose a lot of money. Um, there was Delta Force. Oh, and yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Delta yes. Force. I was telling Noah just recently, I started watching it. I'm about halfway through. I had to take a knee halfway through. Um, Delta Force <laughs> is... I had to take a uh, Kaepernick. <laughs> Delta Force <laughs> is... It's a great movie. It's full of racist Arab stereotypes and, you know... White guys shooting terrorists. It's got Lee Marvin in it. Can't go wrong with Lee Marvin. It's, nope. it's got you know Chuck Norris in one of his roles that made him famous. And the, of the hostages on the plane, you got Shelley Winters, uh, George Kennedy. It's a real who's who. This whole this whole affair. But Delta Force is a movie that does not respect the viewer's time. It is like two and a half hours long. It's literally longer than Star Wars, which is a, a big no-no for me. I can't imagine any canon film being that long. No, there are a few. And Delta Force is one of them. Uh, not a great movie. The action, of course, is really good. It shows uh, Chuck Norris, you know, basically doing Chuck Norris shit. 
Um, but it was kind of around this time that Canon sort of be- began to grow too, too, too big too quickly, and they sort of kind of succumbed to their uh, to their production schedule. Well, and, I gotta say, it didn't slow them down because that was February of '86, and I'm looking at a long list of movies in '87. We already went through yeah. the 32 films they released in '88. Yeah, there's a huge long list of '89, and they're still releasing movies in the '90s. <laughs> so, let's. I, I call this the. This is really the canon holy trinity. These are kind of the three films that sort of sunk canon. Uh, it was their attempt to do major studio stuff. Um, but because they were trying to make a big budget picture on a Canon budget, uh, they all basically ended up coming out like shit. The first one being over the top, uh, they thought, uh, and, and again, one of the kind of the, one of the kind of distinctions that, uh, Golan has made throughout his career is that he does not understand American audiences quite like Americans do. And his Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie was destined to be a failure. Um, nobody wants to watch an ar- a movie about arm wrestling. Although I will say it is a big fat stay tuned for us. We will be doing over the top. Nobody, very nobody soon. wants to watch a film about arm wrestling except the OTR listeners. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will, t- I will tell you this. No, have have either of you guys seen Over yeah, the Top? Yes, yes, no. yes. Noah. I- do you know who has a supporting role in Over the Top? Oh man, I have no idea. <laughs> that would be this person would be an even bigger friend of the podcast than boy, and that is that egg sucking dog Terry Funk. Oh Terry Funk, yes. I am in Over the Top. A uh, Sylvester Stallone throws me through a door. That no good egg sucking dog. His mother's a whore. Uh, the second movie was uh, Masters of the Universe, as Sean mentioned. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, and Frank Langella donning the makeup as Skeletor in the adaptation of the uh, Mattel action figure line. Um, yes, I've seen this as well. That is a fantastic movie, <laughs> and it is another. Stay tuned. Oh, another boy. movie I look forward to watching with you guys. Um, and then the last one, kind of the the movie that they brought back is kind of the franchise that nobody really thought should continue, and that was Superman. Yeah. And they made Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Don't make me watch that again. Oh my Please. god! <laughs> oh, it's a stay tuned. Just because, <laughs> just when you thought Richard Pryor couldn't ruin a Superman movie, this Joachim Golan takes over. This this movie. Stars oh, yeah. a former Chippendales dancer as Nuclear Man, the uh, protag- the antagonist to Superman. His superpower is that he can grow his nails super long and scratch Superman with them. That's uh, one hell of a power. It is amazing. Uh, Christ- Almost as good as Aquaman. Christopher Reeve did not want to make another Superman movie, but they basically said, we will make it about whatever subject you want to make it about. And that brought him back, um, but the budget was cut from upwards of forty million down to like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollars, which is a lot of money to us. But for a big budget superhero picture, that is chicken feed. And as a result, the movie looked like shit, 
it had Gene Hackman in it as Lex Luthor for about five minutes. The rest of the time was taken up by John Cryer, who played uh, Lex Luthor's, I believe, nephew in that in that picture. Uh, it is hot, steaming garbage, and I can't wait to make and you guys watch it. Nobody will ever want to watch it except, except for, for Off the Rails <laughs> podcast listeners. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of over the top, uh, the writer uh, David Engelbach. This was this was a, a quote that I actually wrote down because it made me laugh so hard when he saw the uh, when he saw the the premiere at Over the Top, which he had written the original screenplay for. The movie ended, and he was crying. He had tears in his eyes, and Menachem took him to the side and he said aha i got you i made you cry and he's just like i was crying because my career was going down the toilet and i knew that nobody would ever hire me ever again yeah and he was probably right <laughs> he was probably right um a great quote though from uh from Menachem Golan was that when they they said what would you do with like a 30 million dollar budget and he's like, I don't know what to do with thirty million dollars. I make thirty. I can make thirty pictures with that. There you go. You know, that's what he would do with thir- with thirty million dollars. My my favorite my favorite story from the movie is when they did they did a movie uh, with Elliot Gould. You mentioned Elliot Gould earlier. Yes, Sean. And they did a movie with Elliot Gould. That guy's so annoying. And at one point, uh, Elliot Gould got upset. Of course at, he did. At, that's what he does, Mister Golem. He gets upset. <laughs> And, and he called Mr. Golem a cocksucker. Yeah. And Mr. Golem shut the production down for a week because he literally thought that Elliot Gould was calling him a actual cocksucker. Yes, he believed he that took, he actually He took it very cocks. literal. And uh, it took it took uh, Elliot Gould having to go and apologize and telling him that he did not think he that he actually apologized. sucked cock. He should have apologized. <laughs> it was very rude. So, yeah. Sean, the next time I call you a cocksucker, I am not being literal. Yeah. I don't think you suck cock. I'm not worried about that. I'm just telling you that you're a cocksucker. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> so don't take it literally. I, I, why would I do that? I don't know. But this, I mean, you know. Well, you're, this, not, you're not. This, well, this I think this is a, the story of a, a guy that's from Israel who's like a, he can, probably considers himself a, a real Jewish guy, and and you got a wannabe Jewish guy that's not born in Israel, right? And there's a little heat. There's probably there might be a little heat there. You think that Elliot Gould is jealous of? Uh... No, I think it's the other way around, oh. and so that's why the guy took it that way. Mm. The guy thought he was bigger, and Menachem obviously thought he was the man. He's in charge, so. <laughs> Who is this American Jew telling me I'm a cocksucker? Daddy. <laughs> so basically, you know, towards the end, they, you know, you, you basically see where they became a victim uh, of their own excess, basically. And uh, there were a lot of films that did not get finished. Journey to the Center of the Earth, as we mentioned before. Yeah. Masters of the Universe 2 was actually supposed to come out. Did not. Delta Force 2 did get finished, though. Delta Force 2 did get finished. Here's <laughs> here's a canon movie that you never saw. Spider-Man. They actually held the rights to make a Spider-Man movie. This is a story for another day. But, yes, at some point they almost made a canon Spider-Man wow, movie. Wow, that would have been... Not good. Here, here's a here's a little teaser for that eventual discussion when it happens. Um, Menahem Golan bought the rights to Spider-Man, but he believed Spider-Man to be a man 
who turned into a spider, uh-huh. like the like a werewolf. I've or heard something. this. I've heard the story. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is that fantastic. Would have been a great he had movie. he had no idea what he had. That would have been a great movie. Yeah, um, but eventually, you know, the through throughout the end of the movie, it's basically the the sad story about how the cousins uh, Golan and Globus have basically split, and as we kind of mentioned before, they made competing. Lombada pictures. Um, neither one was very particularly successful on their own. Um, uh, in 2014, Menahem Golan uh, passed away. Uh, Yoram Globus is still alive and still producing movies, um, but they're kind of their, I don't know what you want to call it, their contribution to movies is that they essentially spent the 80s making some of the worst uh, horror, science fiction, action, exploitation films that you could ever watch. I mean, I love these movies. So many of these, like, either I have already seen them, like we've already done bibs on them, like uh, Ninja 3, The Domination, or I feel very strongly that they are future like Hercules, we will do at some point. Apple, the Apple. We they went. They order. went out on a swan song. American Ninja Five here, one of their last movies. That's that franchise still. The continued. American Ninja yeah. franchise is strong, yeah. and yeah. in in fact, I uh, true story. I was actually working as a ticket taker at uh, United Artists Theater when American Ninja Two came out, and that movie was in my theater, and I have seen it. Upwards of 60 to 70 times. Wow. Yes. You should not have said that publicly. That is <laughs> not something you should have uh, taken in, taken credit for. So. Dude, don't judge me. American Ninjas are great films. Well, Bubba, as always, we appreciate you taking us down this journey. Thank you for our hashtag, Bibs. We enjoy it. Hashtag OTR. Bibs. I feel Hashtag like OTR bibs. I'm so sorry. You're I correct. feel like this this documentary was a springboard for many future. Yeah, viewings. I was going to say this 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 wasn't your typical bibs because it is a pretty interesting documentary and it it, it covers some interesting topics. I threw uh, but Sean it a definitely, bone because it had nudity in it. It had a lot well, of nudity. That was great. So, but that was I, great. Think, I think you're right, Sean. I think this is a springboard. Yeah. And uh, as Bubba has Which said. Which I'm happy for because we're going to see more nudity in the future. During this podcast, stay tuned because I have a feeling we will be getting some more. I don't think yes. it'll be the next one. I think he's already got the next bibs lined up. I think I think I got one lined up. But if you really want to know some, some, if you want some inside baseball here, I will tell you. Uh, Death Wish 3 is not on streaming but death wish 4 is on amazon prime mm. and it is almost my favorite movie out of the death death wish series i would say it's probably my favorite death wish nice. all right well so you have that to look forward to so in the meantime uh is there a movie you want us to watch for otr bibs maybe you have a suggestion if so you can reach out to us facebook.com backslash off the rails podcast uh you can reach us on twitter at off the rails pod uh, you can follow us and watch us on twitch.tv slash OTR pod. We are there as well. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Take a minute to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on your uh, podcast device. So you get these episodes the minute they come out and they're ready to listen to uh, at your leisure. Uh, 
And also, if you have a moment, thank you. Rate and review us. Go out there and tell people about us. Get more people listening to us. We really, truly appreciate that. Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We are right up against that hour, and we're trying to keep them underneath there. So, uh, unless, Sean, do you have anything else going on? I'm good. Okay, Bubba? I think we're good. All right, well, for my two co-hosts, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, we have gone off the rails. Thought I'd throw you a bone. It'd been a while since yeah. we had a movie with some good nudity in it. Good. There's a lot of tits. I love seeing my girl Lucinda Dickey again from Ninja Three: The Domination. We started watching it. It was great. My wife and daughter were in there. Within ten minutes, they were gone. <laughs> yeah, they they're not into that. That's not that's not into them. That's not their kind. Of, that's not their bag. Trina was okay. She she commented on one girl's areolas and then Tabitha immediately got up and left. <laughs>
thought it was funny. I can't say I'm surprised. I thought it was funny. 